Hello, everybody, and welcome to another film podcast. My name is Tierney. My name is Colin. My name is Matt. Oh, my name and... is Matt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're new to the guest hosting, so we haven't yeah, quite so nailed we how to nailed intro. How to... <laughs> <laughs> We're doing great, guys. <laughs> yeah, we haven't, we haven't quite nailed this model yet. But we have a guest today. Uh, and so that fourth introduction. <laughs> oh, it, I, see, you left the pause before, and I thought I was supposed to jump in, and now God, I'm way off. <laughs> yeah, now this one was the pause, but no, yeah, this, everything's we, yeah, everything's coming going, up. Yeah, this is Real as tight right as, as the hustle in this movie that we're about to talk about. I am Jim. Ooh. My name is Jim. That's nice. Jim. We did it. We made it. We all of us have been introduced, and we're only. You know, a minute in, so congrats, everyone. Yeah. And for all you listener at home, uh, yes. I just want to say that it's another J guest. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've we did only it. had guests with J names on this show. We've had Joel, a Jim, and now a second Jim. <laughs> so we're keeping the J trend going. Um, Proud of us. Yeah. So happy to have you here today, Jim. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is important journalist, uh, Colts Insider Jim. <laughs> and, if, and if you're not comfortable with us saying the team name, we'll bleep it out in post. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of crossover uh, Colts fans listening to this podcast. <laughs> but I love Paul Newman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, this... I love my Colts and I love my dressing. You, you definitely have, like, the... You could get us more listeners than any other guests that we've had so far. Like you have the potential to boost our numbers more than anything. From that one we've had. to from, from one 20. to like any more than one. Yeah. My my previous job would have actually been better for this. I covered IndyCar racing, um, which is a niche sport, but it's also oh. a niche sport that Paul Newman co-owned a team in. And so, oh yeah, he did. Yeah, and so he was around all the time. All the people I interacted with, a lot of them were had been around for years, so they all knew Paul Newman. I'd gotten to know his daughter a little bit, and it's like, so yeah, that would have been, that would have been the real like the the perfect time for this. But then yeah, sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll all right, backdate well, I, this. We'll pretend we... like this is when you were uh, indie sport, indie car insider. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, should we just give up now? <laughs> just yeah. like, I mean, there's clearly no point in us continuing this conversation. You're right. We missed our shot. We we, yeah. we missed it. So next, Windows better shot. luck next time. <laughs> yeah. Once in a lifetime, we blew it. Um, but yeah, so, so we are. So we're talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Nailed it. Mm-hmm. There it That's is. That's what you watched, right, Tierney? <laughs> well, last week we had talked about, and we ended up all watching the director's cut of Amadeus because it's the only thing that's available. But for a hot minute, we had talked about like some of us watching one and some of us watching the other, and then we could talk about the differences. Um, obviously that wasn't an option. So this time tyranny was like, okay, you guys watch the sting and I'll watch the other Robert Redford <laughs> movie. And we'll just see, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. What's their chemistry like in these two separate movies? <laughs> <laughs> it's all about chemistry this podcast. They do have great chemistry though. They really uh, but mostly I think Paul New- I think Paul Newman man is just like Robert Redford is great, but Paul Newman is just so much better. Yeah. We'll portion like off, the like... movie really comes together when you meet Paul. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like 
fifty percent of this podcast is probably just going to be Paul Newman. <laughs> I love. I mean, I'm. I definitely joined the right podcast if that's what we're going to be yes. doing. Right? Yeah, this is why I invited you specifically, Jim. <laughs> I, I also, came for one purpose and one purpose only. Maybe okay. Well, let's just say we're watching this thing, but I I really want to talk about Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> so this yeah so let's let's just give a little bit of background um so we're this is the second movie in our oscars run that we're doing um and so this was matt's selection for a movie that won best picture so matt do you want to speak on why you chose this movie you know i would love to <clears throat> uh, i've heard about the sting <laughs> that's yeah and I, the that's end. no <laughs> No, um, I had been, like, when we were scrolling through the list of winners, I saw that The Sting won, um, and I, like, didn't know what it was about, because in my head, The Sting sounded like... A movie about bees? I've heard that for, like, no, like, cops, like, cops who were, like, on a bust. Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't know what exactly the movie was about, but I knew it was Redford and Newman, uh, that it took place in Chicago, and that my grandma... Uh, on my mom's side, uh, saw Paul Newman when they were filming The Sting, and she was like, Lila, he was the most handsome man on earth. He was so handsome. And he looked at me, I think. And my mom was like, what? And like, that story has like gone on through the generations that while filming The Sting, you know, and the story's been hyperbolized over time. So at one point he winked at her. I was going to say. At another point, she <laughs> he, she was stepping his... into the street and he stopped her from a car, uh, you know, and <laughs> gave a bow and then he kissed her in front of Times Square. Uh, but, you know, and, the story and then arranged. At, at one point, your grandfather was Paul Newman. Yeah. <laughs> like, that I'm was in there for a little bit. Paul Newman, I guess. I don't know. It's like, you know. You know how these stories go. Um, but no, but I just heard about The Sting uh, and wanted to see Chicago again. And uh, also knew that Jim really likes this movie and loves Paul Newman and uh, was like, oh, this might be a good opportunity to nab Indie Sports Insider, Jim. <laughs> uh, my friend from high school, college, and life. Uh, so... Yeah, that's why I picked it. No great reason, but uh, just one of the movies that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. Uh, and it did not disappoint. I really enjoyed it. So I was, so was going to say, I think this is the second week in a row where the guest is the only one who's actually who had seen this movie before. No, I've seen it before. Oh, you had seen it? Okay. All right. It was just a very, very long time ago. I do not remember much at all. Okay. But, so, for all intents and purposes, the guest yeah. is the only one who's seen it. I definitely uh, don't remember watching it. I just remember some, like, shots and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, so, basically, have never seen it before. Yeah. It's much like Beauty and the Beast. I remember two scenes from that movie. <laughs> and neither was about the servants becoming the furniture. Yeah. That was exactly. <laughs> it's just the weirdest scenes that she does remember. Yeah. What is, uh, what is your background with it, Jim? Oh, uh, it's funny. We were talking about kind of like the chemistry between Paul Newman and Redford. And so I think this kind of sprung from uh, having seen Ocean's Eleven, the, the new one. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I, well, I just thought in that movie, Clooney and Pitt are like wonderful together. And, and I remember expressing this to my dad and telling him how much I enjoyed it. He was kind of a... He loved movies. I wouldn't say he was a movie buff, but he, like you know, I was talking to him about it, and he said, "Well, there's like, 
the classic combination is is Paul Newman and Redford, and I was I had never seen any of their movies. I didn't really know much about any of them. So still, when I was I think in, you know my early teens, and so he told me to go watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Sting, and so I watched both, loved both, and uh, that's that was like the beginning of my like oh my god Paul Newman is incredible. Why did nobody tell me about him before? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, that was kind of my background with it. it. Was it was yeah? So Ocean's Eleven and that, the chemistry between those two guys, I think, was kind of how it all began for me. And yeah, I was watching it again. Like I think the, I mean, I know you kind of joked about Butch Cassidy and, and Sundance Kid. I think that movie is much more about the chemistry than this one. But they still are fantastic yeah. in this. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, Ocean's Eleven because I watching this movie was like. Pretty sure Brad Pitt is just trying to be Robert Redford. Yes. Robert Redford. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. uh, yeah, like everything to the point where like even him. What's the most? I think Once Upon a Time is the most recent thing I've seen him in. Yeah. And I was like, he's just trying to be Robert Redford. Oh in yeah. Once Upon a Time, and I'm like, now I feel robbed. <laughs> Redford. <laughs> yeah, I feel Robert Redford. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, uh, especially of late, like, Brad Pitt has has been more of, like, a... And, I like, I'm not super familiar with a lot of his earlier stuff, but... Um, and I'm not the first person to say this, but, like, he's, like, a character actor stuck in a leading man's body. Like, he is just, like, a beautiful man. But he just, like, does these really, like, interesting characters. And I think... I probably wouldn't have made that connection had I not seen your tweet about it earlier. <laughs> Like, before I watched this movie, Tierney. But as I was watching the movie last night, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this, like are they related? Yeah. Like, they look so similar. It's and it's the facial expressions, too. Yeah. It's like, does he just... Like, when he was doing Once Upon a Time, did he just, like, like watch this movie and just be like, I'm going to just be Robert Redford in The Sting, but in L.A.? But, yeah, it's <laughs> nuts. Um, I, I think I also thought of Ocean's Eleven just in terms of like a heist movie and somebody who's scary that they're going up against, that it's like one guy's fortune that they're trying to steal. Um, but I think also now that you pointed it out, yeah, the salt and pepper Newman Clooney and the blonde kind of like calm, cool demeanor uh, Redford Pitt is like accurate. It's like very funny how that really matches up. They're in a movie together, Spy Game. It's not a great movie, but like if it's like it's one of those if you like look at the DVD cover on the back and it's like oh, really yeah, small yeah. pictures, you're like, wait, who is who's who? Who's like? <laughs> like, dude, they look so much alike. And, and at that point, Redford wasn't that old. Yeah, again, wouldn't like recommend the movie, but it was kind of like you kind of have to double take a little bit because they, they, yeah, there's a lot of similarity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never seen that movie, but like if I were to just come across that now, like with no context, I'd be like, oh, they like. They just did an Irishman, like, 15 <laughs> right. years before the Irishman, and they just have, like, regular <laughs> Robert Redford, and they have, like, CGI de-aged Robert Redford yeah. just running around doing spy shit, so. <laughs> they brought Paul Newman back from the dead. In oh. Spy Game? <laughs> I, I don't really know what we're talking about, but I was just going along with the Irishman. No, that's so, okay. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Paul Newman, when you first meet him in the and they're gambling in the like room, and he just looks, and it's like I don't know the lighting of this scene, 
But I swear to God, there must have been, because he's wearing a hat, that there must have been some low-key lighting that's just a beam, two beams straight to his eyeballs. <laughs> yes. Because his eyes are, like, glowing. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. His <laughs> eyes are so bright and so blue. <laughs> like, yeah. anytime he's on screen, you're, I'm just like, I can't not stare directly into your eyes. I don't know what else is happening on my screen right now because all I can focus on is your face, specifically your eyeballs. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we should just dive into Paul Newman. We can talk <laughs> about this, the movie as a whole, but I think a lot of our comments are going to be uh, circa Paul Newman. Um, sure. Which, like, he's just so natural in a way that, like, a lot of these kind of leading men in older movies don't really have the same kind of charm or like charisma as uh, Paul Newman where like when he it's the one shot where he's in profile and he's talking about uh, I can't even remember but he like chuckles to himself and like reminisces in his mind and you can just see everything happening and it's so playful and so like fun I think it's when it's after uh, Redford is already approached by the FBI and has to like turn on him and it's just a scene of him and Paul Newman and Paul Newman is like regaling a story and there's just the naturalism of how he's discovering the fun in his memories is so like satisfying but that's just like Paul Newman in every movie he's just incredibly natural and like magnetic to watch where you're just like oh god like you're so charming you're just like the essence of charm and coolness can you imagine watching, like, Cool Hand Luke with, like, anybody else? No. That no. movie would suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's a confidence. He has such a confidence in how cool he is, but it's never, like, in a way where I think Chris Pratt had, like, a moment where he was like, oh, wait, am I hot? And then that just became all of his character was just, like, I'm Chris Pratt and I'm lovable and everyone was like I don't know anymore but like <laughs> Paul Newman is lovable and never it's just like as a person and as an actor it never makes you feel like he isn't incredibly approachable still that is can I also so just say that he was I just wanted to verify because I was like I'm pretty sure he had like an actual marriage as opposed to like Hollywood marriages mm -hmm. he was married to Joanne Woodward from nine from 1958 to two, for 60 years yeah wow that like mm -hmm. never happens in hollywood that's nuts yeah from like my wife also loves paul newman she's read a book about him and we've discussed him at length i've gotten like i said i've gotten lucky enough to kind of have a chance to ask about him a lot from from just people who knew him and like everything <clears throat> you hear about him is just like he's just the nicest guy in the world but like and then it's all good and it's kind of crazy how much how true that is like how art sorry how untrue that is for so many people but like i mean yeah. every story you hear about him is just like he's just a genuinely good guy and yeah like you said he was married to joanne woodward for forever and that that was kind of awesome i funny I, one thing i want to go back on chris pratt i don't know how you guys feel because it reminded me joseph gordon lovett is the guy that i always was just like i know you know you're cute and it's driving me crazy <laughs> <laughs> oh i think yeah i think for sure i actually think his the movie that uh just gordon levitt directed uh that he was in don, don, john, john. Yeah, john john yeah that movie i think kind of 
killed most of my crush on Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where I was like, mm, I don't know if I like this movie at all, and I'm kind of mad that you made it, and that this is what you gave us. Because, like, <laughs> I think you're so much better than this, but this is so, like, easy. It's just, like, an, a very, like, I'm so charming. And I think, yeah, it dimi- some of my light for that diminished after that movie. Yeah, so Newman, I think, is, like you said, is the opposite. And it's funny, that like, that confidence, too. Again, one of the things that I read about him, and Joanne Woodward was a great actor in her own time, and, like, he always thought she was better than him, and he always thought he wasn't, like, that great, and and that people didn't, people, like, people wouldn't take him seriously and stuff like that. Like, he was always, and then, you know, he, like, he didn't win an Academy Award until The Color of Money in, like, the late 80s, and he had been nominated, like, five times, so he was always very bitter about that, and it's like, or, you know, not, I shouldn't say bitter, but, like, you know, worried that he wasn't as good as he'd always wanted. It's, like, it's funny, though, I I completely agree, Matt, it's, like, that, it's that naturalness that I think is like so few actors have and he had and and i don't know yeah you just don't find it in many other places yeah and he just brings like tierney said as soon as they introduce him it really does feel like the movie picks up and i mean some of the lines uh like some of the lines i wrote down of the first time that uh what is the what are their last names uh hooker and gondorf gordorf gondorf gondorf uh when Hooker and Gondorf are first meeting, and he's, like, in the shower. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he told me that you're the best, but I already know how to how to drink. And yeah. then later he's like, I can make you breakfast unless you already know how to eat. And I was like, God, Paul Newman, you're so cool. What a great line for you to deliver. We, so we, when we did our City of God episode, we talked about how Benny was, like, the coolest human being ever. <laughs> I was like... But also Paul Newman is up there. <laughs> like yeah. he's just like he every time like he's just so cool in every single scene of this yeah. movie. And like every other movie he's in, but like especially this one, just like everything he wear even when he's like drunk and passed out on the floor, you're just he like still looks good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, okay. <laughs> like just yeah. it, amazing stuff from, from Paul Newman out here. When he plays that drunk character on the train, and like yeah. that's for me, like I remember for the first time I saw this movie, I was like, oh, that's I'm buying in a thousand percent right now because of him like doing the card the shuffling, and then he and then he drops the cards, and I, I am, it's I don't know what you guys think. I would love to know. I think he does it on purpose. I think he does it to mess with Redford that he he kind of like shuffles mm. the cards into the under the ground. He said, you just worry about your, like your part. But anyway, like that scene for me is like my one of my all time favorites, and and I think that was like I'm buying into this movie. Yeah right now yeah even can i oh sorry go ahead even him pouring out the gin yeah and how like (laughs) how you don't know what's happening and redford's like what are you doing he's like you always cut your drink you always cut your you always drink gin when you're playing uh because they can't tell if you cut it and it's just like so like i know i know how to do this i know what i'm doing oh i was just going back to uh just the paul newman love fest we're currently having uh and talking about how great a guy he is because i also was like i'm pretty sure newman's own all of the uh proceeds after mm-hmm. like taxes are donated and i double checked and they are yeah, yeah. actually an have, i have some newman's own in my fridge right now that i was like i've had you for a while i should probably check the expiration date on you. but then tonight colin just takes the, the salad dressing out of the fridge and just caresses the face just, oh i love you so much likes the bottle sweet angel newman um, um 
But I think it's it's uh, that scene where they're like in his train car and he's like getting ready to go because like the first you hear about his character is Luther just saying like he's the best I've ever worked with. He's like he's just incredible. Mm-hmm. But then the first time you see him, he's just this, like, washed-up drunk guy. And so you're like, okay. But then as soon as he's, like, bought into the premise and it's, like, on, you're just like, oh, oh, yeah, obviously. Like, this, like it, it so quickly turns from being, like, is he the best to, oh, of course he's the best. And it's all of those, like, little things, like, just casually doing everything with the card decks. And, like, just, like you said, Matt, the, the line with the gin, I was just like this is incredible. Like, that's just, like, such a... And the way he just kind of, like, delivers it, like, yeah, I mean, obviously. Like, like he's not, like, trying to... Like, the delivery isn't, like, I'm better than you, you need to listen to me. It's it's just kind of like a, oh, yeah, I mean, this is just, like, how we do it. And it's just, it's so just, like, flawlessly cool. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, incredible. Yeah, I think the other thing, uh, the other moment that really shines like that is when, after him being like, no, 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 I'm not doing jobs anymore. I'm like, I'm just, I don't do that kind of stuff. You, like, never hit somebody this big. And when he's talking to uh, Hooker and he's like, oh, you're already going to do it. Like, you're already planning on stealing from him. And that little smirk that he gives. (laughs) And then just delivers a line, just don't want a hothead coming through saying it's not enough because it's all all we're going to get. And it, like, is just the coolest line of him like i'm telling you that it's gonna be a tough job and so i need to know that you're not just like coming through to get revenge you gotta be in on this with me and like he's already tuned up and like knows what needs to be done yeah cool character i also Also, oh go ahead why just like (laughs) when he (laughs) Matt, you you talked about how like with the gin sequence, you're not totally sure what he's doing, and then all of a sudden you like get what he's doing, and it just like clicks perfectly. Uh, the same thing happened for me when he is like hungover, and he like goes over, and like part of this is just because it's set in the 30s, but like he goes over to the ice box and grabs like a gigantic chunk of ice, brings it over to his sink, turns on the water, starts stabbing, and I was like. Is he, like, going to, like, make another drink to, like, you know, hair of the dog situation? And then eventually he just, like, shoves his face in this, like, cold ice water. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I see what you're doing here. (laughs) And and I appreciate it. (laughs) We've all been there. We've we've all been there. I mean, I've never literally done that, but I've definitely (laughs) felt like it. So, (laughs) Uh, I was going to, I don't know if, I don't know if we've completed our Paul Newman sesh here, but I was going to just talk about the heist itself. Well, yeah, I was going to say, even if we're not, like, specifically talking about Paul Newman, like, we're going to keep talking about Paul Newman's presence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you know? Um, But one thing I was going to say about this heist in in particular that I loved is that you don't have – like the Ocean's Eleven or like Italian job uh, moments. I almost said moments. Uh, (laughs) Italian job moments where it's like, this is the plan and here's how it's going to go. And then you just see it happen and you're like, cool, that was satisfying. But this is like, what's their plan? How is it going to work? And then you're like, oh my God, this is magic. (laughs) Like the fact that they don't tell you makes it so much better. 
it is interesting because like i mean i'm not a huge like heist movie fan like they're fun but i haven't like seen a bunch of them but you're right that it like is a pretty common trope in at least in more modern ones where it's like here's the plan and like the interesting part is like at some point you know something's gonna go wrong so how are they going to adjust to that like which is still interesting and like the oceans movies are all really fun um and like Paddington does it this way i just realized oh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so it's it's like that's like the interesting thing where you're kind of like on the hook the whole time is you're just like waiting for something to go wrong with the plan and then to see how they manage it whereas this one like you said turning you never know the whole plan and it's so convoluted like not necessarily in a bad way but it's just like and i thought the the like the the intertitle screens were really fun with just mm-hmm. like the hook and like the the shut off or shutdown or whatever and then like the sting you know like all of that stuff was really fun but there's so many little pieces to this like first they have to do it on the train and then they have to get him in and then he has to like see it a second time and then they have to like actually do the heist and like all of these small little things are built into this one giant massive web of shit and then like towards the end of the movie like the fbi wrinkle gets thrown in and i was like oh my god like there's so much stuff happening in this movie which i think part of what i i really liked about it is like in worse hands this could have been just a total disaster like Mm -hmm. there are so many moving parts here and there's so many different things happening but it all pays off really 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 well and it all comes together like perfectly at the end and i don't like you never feel like you were cheated like you never like everything feels totally valid and totally earned um and considering this movie i'd never seen it until literally last night and this movie is you know almost 50 years old like that's incredible that i was able to like make it this far without knowing basically anything about it and still having that amount of like shock and awe reaction to this um I was like really blown away by the like the heist specifically. <clears throat> I think specifically the building of the gambling hall of like his his den, like where all of the gambling happens and like what the rent like what the purchasing of this building means, what they're planning, why these people are coming around to like audition for a part in this con job. All of it's so convoluted. But you're like, okay, like, they're building something, and then it, like, comes together in a way where you're like, this is so elaborate and so big. Including, like, I think one of the best moments is after that first race when, uh, what is the the bad guy's name? Doyle Lonergan. Lonergan. uh, When he leaves and they go to the back room and they're like, all right, he's gone. And the announcer for the race stops talking, I was like, oh, of course it's not a real race. It's not just rigging. It's not knowing which horse is going to win. It's making up the race entirely. I think their previous, their races, but they happened earlier that day. Yeah. Mm, So they've already finished. Um, Real quick about uh, Lonergan. His uh, Irish accent might be more annoying than yours, Matt. (laughs) He is Irish. I... I no, was... he's English. Robert Shaw? I thought he was Irish. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm, I look because I googled it because oh, I was like, is this okay. this guy's real voice? Yeah, and there's is... an interview of him on he the job like, oh, okay, set. Okay. Okay. And he has like a really soft English voice, but it's like, 
It reminded me of LA Confidential, where James Cromwell is also Irish, but all he does is go, you better watch yourself, <laughs> And you're like, I mean, I don't know if this is an Irish character so much as somebody I do, saying boyo. I do want to talk a little bit about Robert Shaw, though, because I know that he is like, like, he's Robert Shaw, but I literally have only seen him in Jaws. Like, I know that he's in a lot of other stuff, but just, like, my movie knowledge of movies of that time is very, very minimal. So, like, he, like, Robert Shaw is just Quint. Like, that's how I've always known him. That's just, like, who he is. Yeah. And, um, so when they're doing, like, the, the intro at the beginning and, like, here are all the players, um, and I saw his face pop up. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's cool. <laughs> like, I had no idea that he was in this movie. And so I'm, like, kind of expecting this, like, Jaws-esque character, and it's very not that. <laughs> I was very like, different. oh. Like, it was, like, really off-putting for a little while. Um, I, you know, I obviously don't care as much as Tierney does. I was like, this, this Irish accent seems a little aggressive, but, like, whatever. I don't really, like, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But Who does he play in Jaws? Quint. He plays, like, the, the boat captain that they, like, take out. Like yeah, I was gonna, gonna say take... you're gonna. I'm gonna need some descriptions there. I don't know names. So he is the single uh, greatest character intro of all time. It's it's I've I, I think it's my the scratch. He scratches the chalkboard and then he says the coolest thing that has ever been said in a movie, which is "You all know me," and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this guy!" <laughs> so so what I we... do on the first day of school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like he's the old drunk ship captain. And okay. so, like, Martin Brody, the police chief, and um, Dreyfus's character, who I can't remember off the top of my head. Professor Glasses. Who's the one yeah. that's always, like, sweating and nervous? Richard Dreyfus. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, probably uh, the Martin Brody character, the ch- police chief. Oh, and he's the one that says we're going to need a bigger boat? Yes. I haven't seen Jaws either. What the really? fuck is wrong with you people? Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm glad I have company. Jesus. I just don't like blockbusters that much. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I just have only seen it in like fits, like little, little chunks. Definitely go watch watching. Jaws. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's a incredible. wonderful I've seen movie. Jaws three. Is that the same <laughs> thing? Oh. <laughs> they bring the they bring the shark back to life. Yeah, but he's a robot this time, and he's got personality isn't that true isn't it like a robotic thing in the no. third one or something i thought there no, was I thought I there was, yeah mm, i don't know i, don't I haven't know. seen any of them i lied did so. you know that there's a sting too and i discovered that today looking it up and it stars jackie gleason that i've not seen it wait a what a sting too oh, sting too <laughs> i was like the thing too matt's like shut up i'm going to watch <laughs> it right now <laughs> um oh no, no i saw that in amazon it's... It came yeah. out in, in 2011, stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and you, you love it. No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, but no, The Sting 2 I saw on, like, the recommended videos after oh. it finished. And I was like, oh, interesting. But I didn't look at it. Yeah. Um, are Jackie any of the, is in it? Jackie Gleason. Are there, any yeah. of, like, the creative people involved? I don't think so. I don't. I know no. George Ray Hill wasn't involved, I don't think, and then I don't think David Ward wrote it, I don't think, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm gonna pass on the on the sting too. Same. It's Same. like it's like the two Jakes <laughs> being the sequel to Chinatown. It's like Chinatown and the two Jakes. 
Well, it's like I'm looking at the character. Like this, we're way off topic now. But Jackie Gleason plays Fargo. Well, Dunn. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you you fit right in. <laughs> he plays Fargo. Gondorf, and then another person named Mac mm. Davis plays Jake Hooker. So they're just like wow. different oh. names of the same characters. I don't really get it. Mm. I don't know. I feel I like they like chose, <laughs> they took a heist movie and then made those names and then took that title just so they could get some money. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, that, that definitely feels like Bastards. how modern blockbusters are made. Or, you know, like they're like, oh, we have this script for this thing. Let's shoehorn it into something else. Like Cloverfield Paradox was definitely not a Cloverfield related movie, but they were oh. like, "Well, but Cloverfield has some like name recognition. So what if we like rewrite this script and make this movie terrible, <laughs> so that we can release it under the title of Cloverfield Paradox and get people to watch it after the Super Bowl?" <laughs> when did that come out? Was that 2019? 2020? It's 2018, I think. I think it was after 2018. Super Bowl. 2018 for sure. Yeah. Whatever. It was the same month that we watched Mute. It was just a really bad month of Netflix releases in our apartment. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah, Robert Shaw. Uh, really good villain. Very menacing. Uh, yeah. The, Big the guy. Top, when he grabs that bottle of gin and pulls it away from Paul Newman at the poker table, and he's like, enough of this. <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a terrible mark to go after because this guy's crazy. He just struck me as like a little brat. Oh, totally. Because he like cheats his way and I don't know, he sucked. I, I couldn't wait for him to get robbed. I love when the one guy is like, no, he must have swapped out. I gave him threes. He must have swapped them out for jacks. And he's like, what was I supposed to say? That he cheated better than I cheated? <laughs> so fun. And the first time that they reveal like, oh, he, uh, he always wins, but... Uh, he cheats yeah. and then all the look that they that, like they trade with each other of like oh okay yeah. if he cheats then we've got an in yeah that was that was such a cool reveal um like and it's like it's the setup is played for laughs you know where he's like you know Paul Newman's just yeah. like trying literally holding his cards <laughs> like to his chest and it's like just like slowly thumbing through them and you see exactly what he has and the whole time you're just like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. And then when he drops them down, you're like, why the fuck did this happen? I don't like <laughs> this is insane. And like the weird dude is behind him, just like losing his mind. Great stuff. That yeah. se- that whole sequence was awesome. Yeah, it's probably, it might be my favorite of the whole movie. Is the whole the, just the whole train sequence? I think it's fantastic. Plus, it's also yeah. happening on a train, How? which is insane. Yeah, it's what also a fun thing. And they're just like, we're going to be pulling into the station sort of soon. <laughs> it's just like a running like line that yeah, just keeps it's happening. happening. Well, it's it was like, like we getting... can't kill this guy. We're going to be at the station soon. It's like, oh, well, yeah, duh, of course. Well, can't kill. And then like two minutes later, they're like, we're pulling in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We are at the station. Um, uh, do you guys think it would, ah, I just hit my knee. Oh, it hurts so much. Uh, sorry. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you guys, oh no, my desk is doing its own thing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. I'm falling apart over here. Uh, do, you, do you guys think it was filmed in Chicago? Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. I, just I couldn't told tell. told you a story that my grandma saw. Him oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my other question. real evidence of him being there. <laughs> so the, the L station that he runs across, is that Sheridan? 
I don't I think mean, so. It says Forty Third Street. But yeah, but I mean, but like, you could. I googled. You could. I googled because uh, it's a grid, and so forty three hundred, which would be forty third, is uh, Montrose, or just south of Montrose, so between Montrose and Irving Park, and so it could be that it was called forty third before it's called Sheridan. Maybe. Um, it seems unlikely because I know everything else a, is on the south side. I was going to say because there's already a numbering system on the south side of the city. I doubt they would replicate that same numbering system on the north side. I know, but yeah, I mean, but it like, does the, look like Sheridan. I was trying to figure that out, but I also was just like, this movie was you know filmed in the '70s, like 40 years before I had any familiarity with Chicago, so. I was really striking out, but I, I was like every there. time there was like an exterior shot, I was like, "Ooh, like it's like, yeah. is this a place that I've been before?" <laughs> I think the LaSalle station that they get out of at one point, uh, I think I do recognize the buildings there because that would be like the loop, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there were some buildings that looked familiar underneath the L tracks, which are like right by LaSalle. But they definitely like like condense some geography because they walk oh, out of sure. the cell directly under the L tracks and that doesn't happen yeah. anywhere in the city I don't think but also they took a train from Union Station and then pulled back into Union Station so I was like yeah. how does this work uh, <laughs> but in any case the actual poker scene on the train uh, yeah I thought that whole scene was so fun and he's so obnoxious great. in such a funny way of like He's like, oh, I guess I took your money. Oh, <laughs> and just like pushing everybody's buttons. He's like, I've had quite enough of this game and this company. <laughs> I guess just the three of us then, huh? <laughs> so good. It's perfect, and it also it like it has to be that bad because he has to like he has to make Robert Shaw want to kill him throughout the rest of the movie, and that yeah, that's what he did in like one scene, and it was wonderful. Yeah. Oof. And I would just watch getting his name wrong over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lombard. <laughs> Linneman. Uh, so Linneman. That one was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Malden. Oh, Malden, yeah. the street Alex lived on. I. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of backstory that has to go into that that uh, <laughs> no like... one on this podcast will understand. <laughs> For a long time, I just pretended like I couldn't understand the street name that our friend Alex lived on. And oh, that's right. And get it wrong. And she would get more and more frustrated with me getting the word Malden wrong. <laughs> Marsden? Marsh- Marshman? Marlden? But yeah, and also like the billfold, uh, like stealing the money. Yeah. And then... Him saying, like, Shaw uh, is, like, cheating, and he, like, I want to get back at him. You're like, wait, what's going on? How does this work? Uh, But, like, the best part is him being, like, Shaw, so that you're like, oh, yeah, he's still on. He's still in. This is all part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we talk a little bit about... Wait, you go. I was just going to say, just a quick sidebar, when you were talking about still in, like, just the little, like, nose touch that they do is just, like, so cool and so, just, like, classic. At the bank, where he's, like, looking at the the guy who's going to be in on the heist and just rubs his nose, and the guy's like, oh, and I quit. I literally am just going to quit my job to go run a con. And the woman's, like, in the middle of making a deposit. (laughs) 
I was dying when I was oh, on that part last <laughs> night. <laughs> uh, oh, also, uh, this is like one quick thing, but did anyone else notice that weird zoom out that happens? Um, yeah. When yeah, when Redford sees Luther, uh, like Luther's windows open and like uh, realizes that he's been killed. They do this zoom out from Redford into the dining room that was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> what an interesting effect for a movie that like is set in like the 20s. Uh, hmm. I just thought that was cool. There are a lot of fun transitions and normally I hate those. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I love it here. <laughs> I don't know. If, yeah, I wonder because a lot of the stuff like the Scott Joplin music and like just the just the whole look of it. I wonder if I don't know enough about like film history to know if that stuff was used like those kind of transitions were used back then but it definitely seemed like that was the aesthetic he was trying to like keep to for that can I can I tell an aside about uh Scott Joplin's The Entertainer which is the theme of this yes yeah. so in I mean, high school it's short I promise no, no I was just like you were gonna tell this aside anyway <laughs> 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 Uh, in high school, my mom, uh, like, one Sunday or Saturday, I don't even know if Costco is open on Sundays, but she basically was like, you're taking your sister, and you're going to Costco, and you're getting the tires replaced, and for, like, the minivan that we had. So I drove the car over, and then you have to wait while they replace the tires, and it takes, like, an hour, and so we were just, like, fucking around in Costco. Yeah. <laughs> like for the most part just like sitting on office chairs and eating cookies but then at one point they have a uh uh electric keyboard that has preset tunes <laughs> so i would put the entertainer on and i knew the tune and so i was able to like pretend like i was playing <laughs> and people would walk by and think that i was actually playing and be like wow <laughs> <laughs> And now whenever I hear that song, I just think of uh, doing that in the Costco. And my sister was like, this is insane. <laughs> Did you, like, you should have put, like, a like a hat on the ground. And she's, like, trying to yeah. make some money. And they're like, uh, miss, can you please leave this Costco right now without a fuss? You're like, no, I literally can't. My car is in your shop right now. You're stuck with me. <laughs> it's Tierney Joplin, baby. <laughs> yeah i, I God, also, so funny maybe i'm dumb but i also like when i heard the i was like is that was this the original score to the to the sting and then the more i sat with it i was like no this is old music yeah being played <laughs> in a movie from the 70s this movie is not from the 20s i i, I googled say. on youtube just because i was like I sometimes I confuse the entertainer and Maple Leaf Rag, like the tunes of them. Of course, and me too. All yeah, the time. obviously. All the time. I get And so I was like, I think it's the entertainer, but I should find out before the podcast. And uh, under the comments, there are so many people that are just like praying for everyone who is who has like either made it to this page or is still trying to find this page of like what song is do 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 and so people will be like I've been trying to find this for 40 minutes because <laughs> it's also I, the ice cream truck theme song so it's people who were like is it? yeah kind of I think maybe 
Yeah. Oh, I think you had a different ice cream truck. Yeah, I was going to say, that was not the South Dakota ice cream truck. I don't think that's the ice cream truck. Ours is do your ears hang low. You get a toasted almond and it costs you a nickel. Giovanni would ride on the back of the truck playing the player piano while all the kids opened the fire hydrants and the, and the, the parents hung their clothes out on the line. Sure. Mm-hmm. This all checks out. Yeah. Uh, in your defense, Matt, I also had that same thought just like for a fleeting second. Cause like, I was like, Oh mate. And then I was like, no, there's no fucking right. like, like, It took me about like five seconds to realize that that was an insane thought that I had. But like when I first started hearing those piano notes, I was like, Oh shit. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's not it. I mean, we had the, the inverse happened with Cat Stevens and Harold and Maude. That's true. That's true, yeah. That, that was fun. We were like, oh, wait. Oh, shit. This is where this is from? Um, <laughs> but the I also remember there's a scene from The Simpsons about Homer's first time visiting New York uh, and, like, all the things that go wrong. And he, like, accidentally throws, like, a banana peel in someone's face and, like, does this other thing and, like, gets chased by, like the police and like brutes trying to like beat him up and then he like ends up on a on a ladder that keeps unraveling until it drops him into a manhole but like it's played to the entertainer uh and so it's just this like silent movie of him being like oh no uh and i was like is that what that scene's is this what that scene's based on is like robert redford running around this entire movie like oh like running this way and running that way and like jumping in a manhole like climbing on the roof and i was like oh maybe this was the inspiration uh he does a lot of running a lot of tom cruise uh yeah. predecessor running he looks good too it, like i was i i have a weird thing this is my wife always gets me for this when i watch people running in movies i judge them harshly for whether or not they look like and like a person who should be running or if they should just have a stunt double do it for them um and redford like past like flying colors just a plus a natural I'm, athlete i'm curious yeah. who is on the shouldn't have been running list like what are some references oh to that? gosh um i'm trying to think of a recent one obviously tom cruise is like the tippy top of the best i mean he's perfect form it's like a robot um yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what it really is. I can't think. I'll, I'll while, you're, while you're while you're thinking, I just a quick sidebar about Tom Cruise that I saw on Twitter the other day and thought was really funny. Um, somebody, I can't remember the exact setup for it, but like the the gist was basically like somebody was trying to describe Mission Impossible Fallout to somebody else, and they were like, Tom Cruise runs, jumps across a building, breaks his ankle, and keeps running, and the other <laughs> person was like. Okay, yeah, that's about all I need to know about yeah, Mission Impossible Fallout. I think Did he like, actually keep running? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, like, known, though. It's, yeah. Like, he, it's, it's, it, it made it, in, like, you don't actually, like, the, you can't see it in the shot, but, like, the, like, the sequence that made it into the final movie is one where Tom Cruise literally breaks his ankle. Yeah. He lands on it, and you can see that it lands weird. And then I actually remember that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, after he like gets up and runs, he like ran off camera and then said, "It's broken. It's broken." And, they were like, what? and he was like, "It's broken." And they were like, "What is? Oh my god, what?" And he was like, "My ankle's broken." And they're like, "Ah!" And they had to shut down production for like five months because they had to let it heal. But it was like he jumped out of a window onto a roof and then was like, "Uh huh. That was. I fucked up. I fucked up." Um, <laughs> 
that was yeah, I remember that tweet because it was like a Sky TV description. It was like some like TV guide description of the oh, movie, <laughs> and somebody tweeted like, "Yep, that's about right." <laughs> yeah. But, oh uh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I we've all seen bad runners in movies before, but they're just like legs akimbo, just like elbow and ghosts. Yeah, or too yeah. stiff. I feel like Colin Farrell isn't a good runner. I feel like he's oh like yeah, he runs chest first. Yeah, it's just kind of like stiff. Yeah. See, now you're all gonna be watching next time you see somebody running though. And you're gonna gonna <laughs> <laughs> I looks... usually can't judge because I run like I'm. My limbs are everywhere and I'm fleeing something. So I'm and like. I, yeah, and I don't. So. <laughs> just, yeah. I just don't run. Period. I don't, I don't like, like to like, do it. <laughs> I don't understand it, and me. I won't answer it. Um, <laughs> but. But no, I think like Redford does look honestly like like he's putting his weight into the run. Yeah. Like when he has to stop himself, it looks like oh no, and then like I mean, he was doing some parkour action in this. Well, movie. I was like he yeah. up. He looks like he's running and for treasures. his life, which like he yeah. it lit, I mean not literally, but like in terms of the context of the movie, he literally is running for his life. So like all of those sequences you're like yeah, I believe that this guy thinks that he's gonna die if he doesn't keep running. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it checks out. It's interesting, just a total, not total, but just like a weird note. Uh, our last like three pobs, we've talked about weird acting things. <laughs> like, yeah. we, have, piano acting. we have like a couple like bits about piano acting, and now we're talking about run acting. I'm I'm curious to see where this thread goes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, dance acting. If, if I was going to say, we're like going to watch. Yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, and I think also like he doesn't look like he's doing stunts. It looks like he's jumping from things yeah. as best as he can. Yeah. Uh, and that jump off the roof when he's like escaping from the L station. And he and, like, like falls. Yeah, lands on the ground. I was like, ooh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Did you just pull a cruise? Did you just break your? <laughs> Did you just break something? <laughs> he does um, the thing that like, like actually would. That's where I don't know. Do we, would he have a stunt double? Is that? Oh yeah. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. In the seventies. But they do the like the person whoever does it does the thing that actually. I mean, I haven't jumped off a one-story building, but I've jumped off of high you things. Haven't? You must where, try. <laughs> you haven't lived until you've jumped off a of one story you building. Where you, <laughs> you like land and try like your legs try to go up but then you just collapse on the ground before getting up. And I was like, "Oh, that's something that like that I was like that happens to me." <laughs> I'm Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean most movies similar to this if I watched as a child, I would pretend to be them mm-hmm. yeah also his suit i was just gonna say that I, I, man i want that. except the pinstripe one the red oh, pin- no the red pinstripe oh, suit oh, I, did. Yeah. I wasn't a fan no. oh. i was a fan of all of their suits yeah and like i hate wearing suits but i was like these suits look fly as fuck like every if i own that suit i'd wear it every day including to bed <laughs> was it red or was it brown i thought it was brown that no, was red it's like a maroon yeah. it was like yeah, maroon yeah. with red stripes. So it really. I just like that everyone was like, "Oh, are you getting married?" <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to start saying that anytime I see someone in a suit. 
I also love that he gambles immediately and then uh, loses the money. And she's yeah. like, next time you want to All give me 50, it. mail it. <laughs> I, I, the one thing, it would have been nice to see some sort of follow-up to that. Because, like, the, so he, like, goes into the place, he, like, bets all the money, oh. it's clearly rigged, and he, like, has that, like, moment of, like, acknowledgement with the guy who's, like, running the roulette table, but then, like, that's just, like, he just lost all of the money. Yeah. yeah. Which is not, like, the end of the world, but I just, it would have been nice to have seen, like, some sort of, like, I understand why, like, Luther being murdered was why he went on that, like, why his, why his con was revenge-inspired, but it would have been nice to see, like, the jackass who was, like, swindling all of his money at the beginning get some sort of comeuppance. But again, like, it's not the end of the world, and it was mostly funny, um... But the whole time, like, at the beginning, I was just, like, waiting to see, like, how how he was going to be inspired to, like, come up with this heist plot. And so I was like, oh, is this it? Is this, he's just going to try and get back at this guy? No. Nope, not at all. Just no. totally, totally going to be forgotten about until the Sting 2, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also uh, really like the first job of just, like, how we are kind of suspicious the whole time. And the trick of, like, no, fold it up in this cloth and then put it in your pants and then swapping it out. Oh, yeah. How obvious it is. <laughs> uh, but then how, like, you're like, yay, they got away with it. <laughs> run, run, run. Um, so that was just one thing about that. Uh, at what point... At what point did you realize that it was, a, like, that first thing was a con? From the get-go. Okay. As soon as the guy runs away and he's like, yeah, I'll get back at you sometime. I was like, oh yeah, he's in on it too. <laughs> They're all <laughs> in on it. Yeah. I, I really liked the way that like, like, so the way that sequence was filmed where it's like just an alley and they're like, you know, just like walking toward the, you know, like it felt very similar to the shot like towards the end where he's like walking um, and, like, the girl that he had been hooking up yeah. with was, like, walking towards him. Like, that all felt, like, very similar um, between yeah. those two se- sequences, which I thought was really fun. Yeah, also, like, toast. genuinely shocking moment for me. Because <laughs> I yeah. was like... What is that storyline? I, I was like... Because like, the whole time I was like, it's weird that this, like, woman... Because, like, he's at that diner a couple times, but, like... And the woman is kind of there, but not... I don't know. It was it was weird that the woman just seemed to be a major player all of a sudden. So, like, there was, like, something in my mind that was ringing a little off. But I had absolutely no idea that it was gonna... Like, that was gonna happen. So that was, like, a truly, like, oh, shit moment. Um, do you think that it was... A, she was actually one of Lonergan's people? Or do you think that uh, Gondorf was, like, he can't get like tied up with a woman why did she have a gun i was gonna say it was definitely one of lonergan's people like there's a line of dialogue where where it confirms that it's one of lonergan's people because like after i don't know (laughs) i did wonder like is this everything that they're saying it is but yeah also i forgot about the gun though yeah but also that means that she's the one who killed the guy who was chasing him in the alley right which yeah. I also don't oh. entirely get. So, I, this has taken, like, four watchings of this uh, movie for me to, like, put together fully. Uh, because, again, there's, like... So, he walks into the Chicago... When Lonigan first gets there, 
to Chicago. He walks into this like the guys that are doing they're running their little thing, and he says, "What's her name? Stiletto? Something? Cerrito? Salino? Salino? So yeah, he says I'm putting Salino on it." And then he said, if these other two guys want to keep on it, that's their business. But Selena's not going to like it. And so, um... and so then, but that's like a half an hour before she's in the movie. You really have to like remember that line. Otherwise it kind of, it becomes well, jumbled. I thought that was like the least, that. that's like the least put together plot, I thought. But it's, it, it does make sense. But yeah, Selena kills that guy in the alley because he's like moving in on her turf and she doesn't like it. So it's, yeah, it's a little, it's a lot to like grasp in the first viewing, I think. Too much to ask. Yeah. Why doesn't Why doesn't she kill him though? What do you mean? Before that alley. Oh well, I don't know. The one guy like, said. Why does she take so long? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was one of those. That's like, yeah. I, the one guy said, "Why didn't he kill me? Why didn't she kill me last night?" She said there were too many witnesses or something like that. But I was like, "What about the 18 times before you were in that diner?" Um, or like, remember when you yeah, came yeah, into the bathroom? But it was just you and her in the bathroom. She could have just been like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, because they're like the line was like, like oh she didn't kill you when you were in her room last night because uh, like too many people saw you walking into her room. Yeah, and I was like, is that true? Because you <laughs> walked into like, it was well established that she got off work at two a.m. Yeah, like <laughs> like it, yes, her next door neighbor did like peek right. her head in, but like that one person at two in the morning, like is that really a reliable witness? <laughs> I don't know. Also, if you know, in this movie, and I, I get, I read up on it a little bit because I didn't, I wanted to be prepared, but like there's nobody in the streets ever in any of yeah. these shots. And I was like, well, who would have been a witness really? Because there's no one out here. Yeah. <laughs> empty Chicago streets. Yeah. All the time. It's all empty. It's always, it's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, Seems true in my uh, experience. Whenever I'm walking around Chicago, <laughs> there's nobody there. I'm like, this feels right. Yeah. Nope. Just predicted <laughs> COVID. Like, like, there are too many people here. I hate it. Pretty much uh, any time late at night that you're walk that I've been walking, and there's no one around, something weird always happens. Like, mm-hmm. once I saw a guy that was riding four bicycles that were like attached into one bicycle, so he I've was riding that. a bike. Yeah, you've seen that guy? Yeah, he's all stacked up. He used, yeah. to, he used to ride down Armitage. I'd be like, and then he would, guy. like, climb down it, and I was just like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, put it in a garage, and it barely fit. I wish... I, I did he not see weird. this guy when I lived on Armitage, and now I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that I could have seen this guy. <laughs> well, he lives in Andersonville. Oh, fuck. Where none I used live to live. Yeah, none, of well, <laughs> none of us live there. We all so lived like... there, and that's known. That's a known quantity. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You're not, um, like, doxing anyone right now. Like, yeah, surprise, there's away. a neighborhood of Chicago named Andr- Andersonville. <laughs> like... <laughs> also, did anyone else catch that Lonergan is from the Five Points? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ty, call back to Gangs of New York. That's the only time mm-hmm. Five Points has ever registered with me is Gangs of New York. So I always, yeah. Yep. yeah. And I thought it was a fictional place because Gangs of New York is so crazy that I was like, this nah, must be it's real. fictional. <laughs> but I wrote my uh, junior theme on literature from that area. Mm. Look at you. Mm. I know. So you can tell us that, that, that Iris accent is authentic then, I assume? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got 
a meter. This is American literature. Oh, I'm sorry. It was an Irish literature. Oh, my God. Matt has a really authentic one. Oh, ta-ta, ta-torty. Yeah. This is the Colin really Farrell impression? Yeah. We would whenever we, so like we were watching Brooklyn in our apartment once and like the credits started scrolling and Matt was just <laughs> over the top, just totally butchering all these names also like a lot of them are irish names so there's like extra letters and vowels and, and he's just like oh shame is off in again really 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 upsetting stuff the end of brooklyn is so sweet and beautiful and literally makes me cry every single time and then it like immediately is followed up by matt being a total asshole <laughs> <laughs> and Tierney's just getting progressively angrier and angrier. <laughs> and then I started doing the French ones, and then it was karma. Also, I like that they call the enforcers torpedoes. When he's like, look at these pictures of these two torpedoes. I, I think like, the, that's fun. The the uh, dialogue or at least like the language they throw you into is incredible. Like everything's yeah. Jake. Like uh, the quill. Like I like it. The like they're talking about rolling dice and they call them the shapes. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. Mm. Is they call them the shapes. Um, yeah, I just love that they kind of threw you. In. Like when he when they walk into that like con bar, the cop does. Yeah. And and like everyone is like the the language is incomprehensible because they're all talking and they're like their little code. And I love it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so much I jargon. Think, I think one of my favorite lines from the movie is when uh, Paul Newman turns to Lonergan's, like, cronies, and he's like, let's get these garbage men out of here. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Yeah, um, Yeah, I, I like that it was, like, I mean, it's definitely a period piece, but it, I don't know, yeah. it didn't, like, feel like a period piece which i thought was like kind of fun but like like you were mentioning the the dialogue just like feels so like depression era chicago that i was like oh yeah this is like this feels like perfectly spot on um and like again the costumes they all like yes this is definitely like 1930s like gangster adjacent or sometimes actually um like outfits and attire so i thought that like it it all of that stuff, like all, <clears throat> like the production design type aspects of it, just like really felt like you were taken into a time machine and dropped into 1930s Chicago, yeah. which was really cool. Yeah. All the houses, all the cars. Um, yeah. Really cool production design. Um, oh, also, uh, did anyone else recognize the cop who's, who's like on the trail the whole time? Snyder? Snyder? Yeah, that is Papio Daniels from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh and shit! A bunch of other movies. Wow! But oh wow! Like, I'm Papio Daniels. That's that's uh. the guy. And I caught it when he was like yelling at Redford as Redford like ran through the like Hooverville that was set up, and he was like, "I'll get you, you naughty rotten little." I was like, "Oh, it's Papio Daniels." 
Is he the one who wins the governor? Yeah, and then does a little dance with the with yeah. the uh, soggy bottom boys. It's the soggy bottom boys. <laughs> that Papio Daniels, um, who I love. Oh, as opposed to the other one. Yeah. Oh, uh, that, that Papio Daniels uh, from that one movie where he's like, and I believe that above all, th- I'm just kidding. There's no other Papio. Daniels. <laughs> uh, it's a weird route that, that yeah. we've gone down. <laughs> the twist that. FBI was not the FBI, but in fact, yeah. another con to throw that cop off of Hooker's trail was perfect. Because yeah. when they shot each other, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, this is this movie's rated PG, and like, basically Norman Rockwell paintings, like, between each <laughs> major act break, and you're gonna have them kill each other? And then, as they shuffle uh, both Lonergan and the cop off, I was like, oh, oh, I see. Well, and it's, like, set up so cleverly, too. Like, when um, Redford's, like, getting ready, and he just, like, bites on that thing, it's, like, not very clear, like, what he's biting on, but it's, like, I was just like, okay, that's, like, a weird note that was kept in this movie for whatever reason. And then when you like see like he he gets up and he like spits that thing out of his mouth, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh shit! Like incredible. It was like it's so subtly but perfectly done. Um, but yeah, I was I was in the same boat as you, Matt. I had there were two like genuinely shocking moments of this movie. The first was when Selena gets shot in the head, which like also like wow. yes, this was the seventies. PG thirteen didn't exist. There's no ratings, yeah. Yeah, like it doesn't you know, whatever. But I was like, oh, like that's weirdly graphic. Um but that was like genuinely shocking. And then like the FBI twist that it was just all like a, another level of the con. Which again, like we already talked about how intricate this plan was from the beginning. Like and you know as you're watching the movie that it's really intricate and then at the end you find out that there's even more that we didn't know about and it's just like i i was just like how the fuck did they like pull this off can i can i ask because i have i i've seen it i can't remember my first viewing how i felt but i was wondering did you guys feel like newman and red like or redford might turn on newman or like might like did you actually think he was gonna like give him up to the fbi yeah, yes. awesome. Okay, no, that's awesome. I was doubtful at first, but then I did. I was like, oh, this is part of the con. But then I was like, oh, maybe not. I think because it's such a genuine was, reason to do it. Right. Like, I was going to say, he's like, there's wife was yeah. on the line. I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess, what other option do you have? Like, you've well, got to be loyal. Yeah. Snyder has that line, with, like, before they even get Redford in, Snyder has that line where he's like, He's not going to turn. Right. Like he just he won't do it. And I was like, yeah, he would never do that. And so when he's like, well, it would be a bummer. Like if you're too stupid to save yourself, at least you could save her. I was like, oh, okay. Like I actually do believe that he would do yeah. that, especially because, like, because Luther died, and like she, he knows that she's like had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. He, I think that he would. It felt very true to me that he would, you know, turn on on Paul Newman to save the Luther's wife or who, whomever that was. Alma? I think yeah. her name was Alma, which also... <laughs> it's Alva. Uh, A-L-V-A. Alva. Whatever. <laughs> it was but I like where your head's at. <clears throat> like one, it was Robert Redford which is, who convinced me of it. And like his 
performance, basically, mm-hmm. of like, oh, fuck, this is the FBI. Where I was like, oh, it is the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. before I was like, these are just more cons. <laughs> I but that I was, I was tricked. I was hoodwinked. <laughs> I'm glad it yeah. worked. Yeah. Um, On that level. One, I mean. Yeah, for sure. Um, one note that I had when I was watching it was like, so we talked about how like convoluted everything was. Matt, you talked specifically about like how they basically had to take this like garden unit shop thing and turn it into like a like a bedding area. Yeah. Um, and there's like another line later where uh, after Lonergan's like, well, I want to meet your guy. Like, I want to meet your guy on the inside. And they're like, we can't just create a, like, we can't do, we don't have enough time. We can't just, like, create this thing. Um, but anyway, all of that is to say, like, at the end, when it's like they just netted half a million dollars, I was like, and there's all those people who were playing, like, bit parts and all, like, all the costuming. Because, like, whenever they, like, people were interviewing with Paul Newman to, like, be a cast member in this like weird role play. And he's like, yeah, go grab yourself a suit. And then there's like the shot where the guy is putting like, you know, like stage makeup and beard on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is like, is $500,000 enough to like pay all of the people that were involved in this? Like, it just seems like not a weird, not, like not a very big take at the end of this massive con. But then I ran it through, uh, an inflation generator oh, yeah. and it's like 9.5 million yeah, dollars like, oh, okay. <laughs> what okay yeah oh, i mean wow. again not like on the level of like an ocean's 11 where they're pulling in like 100 million you know but like, like 9.5 million is right yeah that's like okay yeah when you, you could like... probably stretch 9.5 million to all of those people and everybody would still be pretty happy with with the results yeah. i mean everybody pretty much gets like half or a quarter million dollars yeah um, which like, say, yeah, say I was gonna yes say, to okay, <laughs> give it to me. I thank you. I will take that right now. <laughs> Especially if you didn't have to like do anything. Like I'm sure they didn't make as much money as people who were like setting everything up. But like if your only job was to just like be there and like pretend to be a degenerate gambler and you walk out with a cool hundred thousand, like okay, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I love I love that they have a guy. By the way, like they're shutting off this like OTB. And they're like, we need this guy who's got all this fake equipment. We got a guy. Don't worry. He's got this fake equipment. Like, oh, you have a guy for that? That's crazy. Who does that? <laughs> like, who's, whose job is to have a warehouse full of, like, con shit? But back then, does it. And it's, yeah. Horse betting boards. Yeah. Like, the little teller station with the bars. It's incredible. Yeah. I also, this story, like, so it was filmed in the 1970s where I think some of the uh, technology would not be that dissimilar to 1936, because this sort of con could never happen now. Oh, yeah. And it kind of, like, bums me out a little bit. <laughs> and I had a moment early, like, earlier in the movie, I was like, damn, everyone plays cards, but it's because there's, like, nothing else to do. <laughs> um, but it was just, like, I don't know. The fact that, like, pretty much... From the beginning, when you find out that they're doing old horse races, and then at the end, after they just shoot him, and then he leaves Chicago, and for all he knows, they're dead, but, like, can't go into Google and type in, like, hooker. Yeah. 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 And find out that they're still alive, but I was just like, oh, what a a novel time. Two quick sidebars. (laughs) One, 
Uh, imagine just going to Google and typing hooker. Yeah, I realized that after I said it. <laughs> Probably get you some interesting results that you're not quite looking for. Uh, or maybe you are. I'm not here Where to shame anybody. Where is but like... hooker? <laughs> Who is hooker? Right outside. Look at that. Is hooker dead? <laughs> hooker stole my money. How to get hooker back. Um... But another thing you said reminded me, so I mentioned that I've been watching For All Mankind, the Apple TV Plus show, and I was watching the episode that came out today, and so, uh, minor spoiler alert if anybody's trying to get caught up, uh, the second season takes place in the 80s, and one of the characters, she's like a, a senior in high school, or junior, one of the two, but she's just like sitting in her room and just like flipping through an admission like a like a guide to like oh yeah you want to apply to this school and she's just sitting in her room just flipping through it and i was like this is so weird but also i guess what the fuck else is she gonna do it's like the 80s like she doesn't have a phone that she could play on or like a computer is not a thing that she would just have it was like what you were saying too it was just like a really bizarre moment that i was like oh yeah i guess like this it feels weird for me watching this but yeah i guess that checks out and also Yikes. <laughs> you know, the reason why magazine and print uh, media is struggling, Colin, because you're forgetting that admissions look pamphlets are important <laughs> for people to still use. To I do- subscribe to the Denver Post, so I am doing my part in keeping my local journalism afloat. So you don't don't come at me with that shit. Thank okay? you. From from the yeah. Indianapolis Star. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not gonna say that I, I, you know, pay money to the Indianapolis Star. No, no. I'm glad that there are people who do, but like that's <laughs> any newspaper will do. We're yeah. <laughs> I subscribe to the Safeway weekly coupons <laughs> every week. I'm a loyal subscriber. Thank you, man. Thank you for your service. You mean the ones? <laughs> <laughs> do you mean the ones that they just automatically mail you no matter what? I'm pretty sure it's because I, I. Go, I help them out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Paperboy drops it off like a video game. What? Um, Paperboy oh, killed game Paper the Boy. radio star? <laughs> yeah. um, what else is there to say about this movie? I think uh, I don't have any, anything else specifically. Anything else. Uh, who was the, the right-hand woman? His, like, his partner in crime? Oh, I liked her. Yeah, she was really, really cool. She ran the brothel. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. I Billy? love when she, she's like, no, but you can have a beer to go, and gives him a little shot glass of beer. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> I, I, how cool is it that she runs a brothel out of, like, I don't know, a place that has a carousel? Like, that's just awesome. Yeah. I. And all the girls were like, woo! I know. I, I love that line. Carousel. <laughs> that line where she was like, Hey, do you mind if we, you know, we're like we're pretty dead in the yeah. brothel. Can we turn the carousel on? The girls just want to have some fun. Yeah. I was like, what? What's, what's simpler times? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> like, why, like waiting, like just meeting Paul Newman at like, like that are like he's the greatest like big con guy there is, and then he walks into this room and it's a carousel and there's like a flying, there's literally like a flying pig painted on the, on the wall. Yeah. Like this, like where are we? This is amazing. And yeah, and to have him in there just like drunk. I just I love the introduction of the character. I think it's I think it's pretty great. Then it's such a weird, like yeah, it's it like it's such a weird choice. Like it was you know definitely a choice, 
Like, that he's, like, this is where he lives, and this is where she operates her brothel. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can have a I ride, don't... and then you can have a ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so bizarre, but I also love it. Yeah. Also because, her... Mostly because it's bizarre. <laughs> also, her character name was Billy. I don't know yeah, if oh, I yeah. ever heard that in the movie. But, yeah. And she's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, but I just recognize her as when she was older already. But she was, like, in Miss Congeniality and, like... Last Picture Show and uh, Lizzie McGuire, you know, oh, all, all over the place. Yes, yeah. classics. Arliss. Was she, yeah. she going to be in the Lizzie McGuire reboot that Disney Plus canceled? Yeah, but she died in 2013, so it was going oh, so... to be like Grand Moff Tarkin <laughs> in Rogue One. Thanks, I hate it. So what did you guys what, what did you guys think of the, the I, movie catchphrases? Because we got one here. You got the Yafala which I didn't know if you guys any like hated liked. I love it. I think it's great, but I also love this movie and, and, and give like we'll apologize for anything about it. What's the catchphrase? The Yafala. Every time Lonigan says yeah, that, he says he says it like five five times in the movie. Oh, it's like yeah. his like do what I'm oh. telling you to do. The Yafala. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, any thoughts? I like that. I yeah. didn't. Catch I mean, it. I didn't catch it, but uh, that oh, is okay. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. his first. His first, like, every time he's having a conversation, it's like the end of the conversation. It always is. He goes, you follow? And then that's the end of the conversation. Like, I've told you now what's happening. And he does it, like, yeah, he does it, like, four or five times in the movie. So I I love it. Oh. That was that was my, for talking, like, circling back to the beginning of the podcast, that was my dad's, like, favorite part of the movie was the you follow. Um, I don't know why, but that was what he loved. <laughs> and uh, so maybe that's why I was, like, I've been, like, zoomed in on it. But that was, yeah, that's... Um, I don't know if you if you guys like like that or not, or if you like a, a catchphrase that comes up in a movie like in general more than more than once. I definitely do. I didn't catch it this time though. I was gonna say I fun. definitely didn't catch it, but I think like and I think that also. Now that you mentioned it, like that does a good job of like solidifying who that character is. Yeah. Right. Like he is the boss, and like like you said, like when he drops that line, yeah. it's just like we're done here. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, um, interesting. I, I definitely plan on watching this movie again at some point. Um, yeah. I, I really liked this. Um, so, yeah, I, I will look out for, for that in the future, in future viewings. But Is it on Criterion? Uh, it might be. You'd think it would be. It's, like, certainly of it's, the caliber. Yeah, I'm I mean, pretty it's sure weird, Butch like, Cassidy what movies... is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Butch Cassidy is. Mm. Because Matt, I probably... Are you going to watch Butch Cassidy? Probably. I, I should. I will now that I've watched The Sting. You've, You've never seen, seen Butch Cassidy? I knew it. No. <laughs> I was talking to other Jim who did the podcast last week about The Sting, and uh, I was like, the Paul Newman-Robert Redford co- uh, combo makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> and then I was ta- we were just talking about Butch Cassidy, and I was like, that Burt uh, Bert Bacharach soundtrack <laughs> makes me come. <laughs> What? I was just trying to make a joke, but uh, I fucking love that soundtrack so much. It's incredible. Uh, I remember, so the first time I saw Butch Cassidy was in, uh, it was a senior year high school elective. I took American Film History. And um, American that was Film what, History X? We, we did not watch uh, American History X in that because it American was high school. Film History X. <laughs> I know what you were joking about, uh, but I decided to move past it because it wasn't a good joke. Um, Damn. <laughs> but no, so we, like, so that was the first time I'd ever seen Butch Cassidy, and I was like, 
this movie fucking rules. And then there's the raindrops keep falling on my head sequence. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am so out on this, whatever this is. Whoa. And then it, 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 can't, it comes back. It's literally just like a weird musical interlude that mostly t- means nothing to the rest of the movie. <laughs> but like won an oscar so whatever i guess it's, uh, really it. cool. it's wonderful I, yeah. I yeah you're either all in or I, it's true it's a very divisive isn't it scene. when they're falling in love too yeah when yeah they're falling in love fuck off colin well i love that movie i'm just saying like that i don't i don't respond well to that part of that movie everything else about that movie i love i like, like that, that one that scene is great because newman's doing the bike tricks and he's actually it's actually yeah. paul newman That's doing true. the tr- it's actually Paul Newman doing the tricks on the bike, and I just like, yeah, I love watching it, and I love it. It's like, oh, this is a bicycle for the first time in this, like, in the world, and he's like, look what I can do. I don't know, that scene is so fun for me, but you're right, the raindrops keep falling on my head thing, and only gives me like nightmares about Spider-Man three. So there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it was in Spider-Man two that that song. Whatever. Is that right? I don't remember that. Yeah, because it's know, when you he just... quits Spider-Man, and then he's eating the tofu dog. Uh, I thought that was the third one. Well, I was going to say, if you think of Spider-Man and, like, musical choices, you think of the third one. Yeah. Like, that's just where your brain goes to. Or Nickelback singing Hero for the first <laughs> movie. <soundtrack. laughs> I'm the say that a hero. I think that's Spider-Man 2. No, bitch, that's the first just, one. Just that first movie is just... Uh... The worst. That movie so much. Do you know Um, how much I sacrificed? That's because Tobey Maguire is not great. (laughs) Not great. It's bad, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) He's just. He's just a guy. I'm happy we don't see him anymore. That makes me. That makes me happy. Wow. Damn. I mean, I'm not gonna like argue with you. It's just like coming in hot with these takes i appreciate it about you what have you what have, what have we lost from movies without toby mcguire <laughs> cider Look. house rules too yeah I mean. sea biscuit the cider house keeps ruling <laughs> the cider house still rules okay cool thanks <laughs> yeah also it's weird that leonardo dicaprio and toby mcguire are pals like really good pals. this this, this yeah like, weren't they really both in the pussy <laughs> the pussy gang or whatever it's called the pussy posse yeah they're yeah the pussy posse, posse. That's what it was. <laughs> they're just awful it's, little yeah little trolls it's really not what you want funny. <laughs> were they friends before they did great gatsby yeah yeah they, yeah, like they were in the pussy posse okay. yeah they would troll around hollywood and be like i pussy know posse. i know i just didn't know if it was like hey we did this movie together come on and join my pussy gang no. like i just didn't know like no where the, the pussy posse they were like 18 yeah i think it was like the producer of gatsby was like how do i want to replicate the gatsby era hedonism i know <laughs> just a pair it's this pair of these pair of actors leonardo dicaprio and toby mcguire of the renowned pussy posse uh, like put them in this movie the cast for that movie is stacked like leonardo dicaprio okay toby mcguire aside leonardo dicaprio carrie mulligan isla fisher jason clark joel edgerton uh very early elizabeth debicki role and we all know how much i love elizabeth debicki what a great cast and what a pretty shitty movie it just felt crazy (laughs) i remember watching that movie and being like oh god my brain can't keep up with how much is being flashed at me at once 
Uh, See, I had forgotten that The Great Gatsby is told through Nick's perspective, and so as soon as I found out Tobey Maguire was Nick, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I never needed any part of that. I was like, I Baz Luhrmann is a huge hit or miss for me anyway, and then it was Tobey Maguire, yeah. and I was like, I want to be out. I wanna, I'm going to comfortably be out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to give him the chance to miss on this one. I'm just out. <laughs> yeah, it's... There's no need. Plus, there's, like, also a Redford Great Gatsby. That's better. You can go watch that one. Good point. I have to. I have yeah. to watch that one. Redford's good. Redford what is, is good Joel as Edgerton in? Joel Edgerton's Edgerton? been in everything now. He was in Loving. He was in... Yeah, he's he was in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, he's Owen. Oh, Lars. shit, that's right. <laughs> God, what a weird pull of all of his career that he's had. Wait, <laughs> He's, 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 Uncle Owen. Owen. he's Uncle Owen in the prequels. It was the first thing what? that popped out on his yeah. filmography. Joel Edgerton is the last shot of Revenge of the Shit. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that is the best Freudian slip Freudian. I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Revenge of the Shit. <laughs> There's a lot of Australians that were in The Great Gatsby. And I think, isn't Baz Luhrmann? Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? So he yeah. was just like, "Come, my friends," or whatever the Australian. I don't, that was. He bad. has a thing about wearing uh, sunscreen that one of my friends recommended. It's yeah. pretty crazy. It's that was on a, that like that snippet was on a Now album. It, oh, you guys really? remember? Yeah, like Baz Now. That's Lerman what I call talking me. about sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like wear sunscreen but then it's just like a bunch of other like life lessons it's a, yeah but it's literally just like a like him talking it's a song and right I, or like a yeah right i i mean i think it's if, let me double check i thought there was a song now it's starting to ring bells for me here and i yeah i thought there jason was a... clark was in the first man hell yeah he was yeah, baby. um god that movie's so good I think it was the second one now that's what i call music <laughs> who is Two. elizabeth debicki Oh, she's, she's also Australian. My queen. She, she was in Widows. She's in ten. She's so fucking good in Widows. Holy oh, shit. Oh, she like 900 feet tall? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, she's that's... also in The Night Manager. I didn't like Widows that much, but I was like, she is good and also so tall. She's so tall. Yeah. So tall. Yeah. yeah she, uh, she once fought the CN Tower and won. <laughs> should I watch? Should I watch uh, Tenet? Anyone here? Oh, 1,000% watch Tenet. Holy you know, shit, yes. Watch Tenet. Look, I'm not going to say that Tenet is, like, a good movie. Oh. Because Tenet is, like, an insane, yes. like, fever dream of nonsense. Oh. But it looks fucking awesome. That's what Matt wanted in so... <laughs> I think, I think it looks like nothing, is what I'll say. Like, the effect of something moving in reverse while something else is moving forward looks like nothing is happening. It looks like a, a rehearsal, and there's no noise, So because, like, there's no contact. It's just the most bizarre thing. So if you want to, like, fuck up your mind and have you be like, I get it, I get it, I get it, I don't get it. No, wait, I'm back on, I get it. Nope, I'm off again. That's what the experience that you have with Tenet is constantly being like, got it. Nope. Got it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. That scene... Uh, and, then it, was, and then it ends and you're just like... No. See, I was going to nope. compare that to David Lynch, and then most of the time I'm like, you know what? I never had it. I never had it. I never had it. I don't want it. I don't want it. 
That's how I feel about David Lynch. I don't want it. <laughs> Keep it. Um, so, yes, watch Tenet. Watch Tenet on the... Well, I mean, you have a very young child, so, like, what I'm about to say might not necessarily translate well for you, but I would say watch Tenet on the largest possible screen you have with, like, the best possible sound you can get. Okay. And just, like, let it overwhelm you. Because, okay. again, it it is mostly nonsense, but if you're, like, willing to just, like, go on a on an insane ride, I had a fucking blast when I watched that movie. It sounds like I should get some, like, <clears throat> substance help while I, before I watch this movie. Just a little yeah. added, yeah. I was, yeah. It's not going to hurt, is what <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> on an edible, it'll just be like, what? What? <laughs> what? Uh, the whole time. Did, you're just going to constantly say, what? That's what it sounded like you wanted what? to say the entire time, was like, just smoke a little before you watch it. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. you got to be a little bit not all here. Okay. Yeah. Because they literally utter the line, don't think about it too much. And you're like, yeah. you can't. But I mean, <laughs> I have to think about it a little bit. Your characters can't tell. In the movie? Yeah, yeah, she's like loading a reverse gun. Oh, and like, don't, don't think about it. She literally says, "Don't think about it, just feel it." And I was like, "Preach, Christopher Nolan, preach!" <laughs> that, that should, don't think about it should be the tagline for the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired! Shots fired! Colin loves Dark Knight Rises. Oh no! I, yeah, I was Podcast gonna say like up. I just I, like I have to go lay <laughs> oh. down. <laughs> like, I, we're, we're already an hour and a half in. We can't do it now. Sorry, It'll I'm sorry. All right. We'll, we'll do a special episode where we watch the Nolan Batman movies and you come back. Okay, that would be great. great. And we'll fight about the third one. Um, yeah, that sounds fair. Uh, so, the so yeah, it's it's a poem. It's called every. Uh, so it's called Wear Sunscreen, I think. Oh, we're still um, talking about Boss Lerman. Well, I, <laughs> I thought we were talking about the like, sting. I was like, I'm not going to let this go. <laughs> Um, That's fair. But yeah, so like Boz Lerman did a spoken word version of it. And it's not really a song. Like it's mostly just him talking. And I think there might be like some like minor musical notes in the background, but it's mostly just him talking. And it's on Now That's What I Call Music 2, which here's some other songs on that one. Baby One More Time, Britney Spears, You Get What You Give, New Radicals, uh, Closing Time, Semisonic. Okay. Uh, sweetest thing, you two, favorite mistake, now. Cheryl Crow. Like this is like a banger now wow. album. That now, now ends... that's what I call music. Yeah, where, where that can I order that album? Like the <laughs> last three tracks are "I'll Never Break Your Heart" by Backstreet Boys, like lesser Backstreet Boys, but still Backstreet still Boys. Backstreet yeah. Boys. Hard Knock Life by Jay-Z, mm-hmm. and then this weird spoken word poem by Boss Lerman. <laughs> I remember as, like, a 10-year-old, like, bought this album and was like, hell yeah, let's go now, <laughs> and I put it on, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, and, like, I was too, like, I had seen the Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet, but I was too young to, like, know who Boz Lerman yeah. was, and yeah, yeah. so I was like what is this what is this why why did somebody decide that this needed to be on my like banger like 90s <laughs> like pop hits album like what's happening specifically <laughs> it's funny because all of the other ones you hear the response of now that's what i call music but for that one somebody heard baz lerman talking about putting on sunscreen and said now that's what i call music and they're like <laughs> Greg, what are you've been, you've been in the meeting this whole time? And he's like, now that's what I call music. And they're like, what did you bring us? Why did you choose this? Do you realize how many other hits are happening right now? 
Britney Spears just came into prominence, and all of these other vocalists are on the scene, and you picked a poem read by Baz Luhrmann for an album called Now That's What I Call Music. And he was like, put it in, or everyone's fired. Well, like, clearly Greg had also smoked a little before this meeting, True. so, yeah. like, we, we gotta cut him a little slack. Yeah. And then, you know, he watched Tenet, and his life was changed forever, so... <laughs> Bless you, Greg. <laughs> yeah, or he like interrupted a conversation and was like, "Did you guys hear that poem by Baz Luhrmann?" And they're like, "What?" <laughs> We're in the middle of f- figuring out this track list, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys just gotta hear it right now." And they're like, "What is happening?" Um. <clears throat> anyway, what a sidebar. The Sting, great movie, deserved to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, what are our categories? We gotta fly uh, through these. We're like, we're yeah. This is a long boy. Um. <laughs> Tattoos, <laughs> yeah. So tattoo ideas. Um, I think it's just, just Paul the, Newman. Just either Paul Newman's face or, or his eyes. The <laughs> the uh, red pinstripe suit tattooed over my entire body. Yeah, I think those yeah. are like the only Perfect two choices. <laughs> Tyranny, who didn't even like that suit, is like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you get the uh, tattoo of of where he gets cut, and he's like, some guy caught me. Oh with his yeah, ring. yeah. Um, just face tattoo. Okay, interesting. I like that. Uh, would you guys hang out on this film set? Fuck yeah. A million percent. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. grandma did. <laughs> Matt's like, it'd be cool to see my grandmother yeah. as, as like a young, young whippersnapper. As or at least young, younger. As a young. <laughs> as a young. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would definitely hang out on the set. Also, I would yeah. get a free trip to Chicago in the 70s. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Uh, would you watch this movie on an airplane? Yes. Yeah. Easily, yeah. This yeah, is actually, this is kind of a perfect airplane movie, I would say. Yeah. It's really, like, it's really tight. Like, it's two hours, but it doesn't feel like it's over long at any point. And it, like, moves really quickly. So, you, like, if you had just, like, a two-ish hour flight, like, pop this movie in, and it would take care of, like, the entire thing. God bless. Uh, last thing. So, this movie won seven Academy Awards. Wow. Best Script picture. better be one. What? Script better be oh, yeah. one. So, best picture, best director, original screenplay. Oh, thank God. Um, art direction slash set decoration. Good. Costume design, film nice. editing, and original nice. score. Wow. Which, like, for the yeah. entertainer? <laughs> Scott Joplin? So, Academy Award for best music, scoring, original song score, and or adaptation. So, like, this was, oh. back in the 70s, it was like a a little bit more of a wild west situation in that particular category it appears um and then it was nominated for best actor for robert redford not paul newman interestingly enough what uh forever weird 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 choice by the oscars there um cinematography and sound were the other things that it was nominated for but did not win that's okay i i feel like it won all the things it needed to win yeah it's hard to complain about seven yeah yeah one, it, I feel like the my biggest complaint is that like Paul Newman just wasn't even nominated. Yeah, that's wild. Like, but we just talked earlier that he didn't even win until The Color of Money. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying that he should have won, but it seems weird to me that he wasn't even nominated for a movie that got ten nominations and like w- like for all intents and purposes like swept the Oscars that year. Like it's not because yeah. I mean um, it was a similar situation with Amadeus, which we talked about last week. That had like eleven nominations. And it had the two acting ones, and obviously one of them did end up winning, but 
Like, it's, it's weird to me that this movie is very much, like, it's those two dudes. And so it's yeah. weird for them to single out one of them. And, like, Robert Redford was really good in this movie. It's just, it's weird that they were like, we're just going to do that one. Yeah. Who did he lose to? Um, I look, I can't sure remember, but I looked this up. It's a really good question. year. Uh, so Jack Lemon from Save the Tiger which is a movie that I have never heard of before. But Jack Lemmon. But I mean, ja- yeah, yeah, Jack Lemmon. Okay, I'm not mad about it. Also nominated that year, Marlon Brando, Last Tango in Paris, Jack Nicholson, Last Detail, Al Pacino, and Serpico. Oh, wow. Fuck, that was a stacked cast. I was going to say, that that, I bad. looked it up. That year was insane, so. Okay. Big names. Wow. Oh, all right. Um, so, yeah, that's The Sting. We did it, guys. Congrats. The Sting. Um, Yay! What has everyone been up to this week? What a, like... Jim, I don't know how familiar you are, but we always end the episode by talking about what we've been up to, like books we've read, movies we've watched, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want, as the guest, you can you can start us off. What have you been up to this I will week go or lately? Quickly. Uh, funny enough, so we are been we have been reading to our, our son, but we're trying to right now he's too young to like reading this short kid books is stupid. We so we read for our own entertainment. <laughs> And so at first we decided to read the Harry Potter books because we hadn't read them in a while. We thought that'd be fun. And now we're actually in the middle of The Great Gatsby. So uh, oh. there you go. Oh, cool. So we're reading that right now. And then uh, we watch. I just, I just, I just finished uh, Glass Hotel. It was really, really good um, fiction book. I haven't been reading fiction a lot recently. Uh, so that was, yeah, I can recommend it. We don't have to get into what it was about. And then real quick, I watched. Who's the author? Who wrote that? Is it Emily St. John Mandel? Something St. Saint... What's that? Emily St. John yes. Mandel? Something yes, like that? yes, yes, that is her. <clears throat> okay. It's really good. I really enjoyed she it. She wrote, uh, yeah, she wrote Station Eleven, which I read last year. I read Station Eleven as well. It was, I enjoyed that too, so yeah. Okay. I'll have to, like, I'll have to put that one, the new one on my list. I saw that it was, like, she had written a new book, and yeah. I was like, oh, I should check that out, and then I just totally forgot She's about it. She's doing, like, a speaker <laughs> series thing around here at one of the local colleges, so my wife and I thought it'd be fun to read it, and then we could kind of attend virtually and listen, so oh, cool. that's what we're going to do. Nice. And then, last of all, we watched Mank recently, uh, so... Yes! I really enjoyed it. Uh, speaking of diet, like, that's a, yes! that's, that's a movie where, like, yeah, you just, I, I was, like, I didn't know, I mean, I kind of knew what Mank was about, and but i didn't i was like 50, i was like kind of tired that night and then i like we turned it on it was like 15 minutes in and i was like oh no can't be tired gotta like <laughs> dial in here it's like it is that is like so fast and i loved it i mean i love the quick paced dialogue and i like feeling like it was part of the era and all that stuff so once i got adjusted in my brain i i really enjoyed it gary oldman's incredible so yeah that, those are the things this week nice. excellent and Mank rules. Matt just has a bad Mank take, so we oh, can't no. trust him. We can't trust Matt's I opinions. Couldn't, couldn't summon a, a care about it. <laughs> it it's fair. I watched it and was just like, I have no clue what any of this is for. It's true. What Actually, is... at the end, if you ask yourself, why did I watch that? It's a hard question to answer, but I still enjoyed it uh, anyway. And like, <laughs> what was the hero's journey of this movie? And it was like, credit. And it was like, okay. I agree. It, it's it's very loose. I agree with you, but I just don't like Gary Oldman was enough for me. Yeah, I'm glad. Hi, old guy. <laughs> nice journey. <laughs> um, I'll go quickly because I didn't also. I I watched the '90s horror movie Cube, sci-fi horror movie Cube. Basically, it's Saw, and it's like these like five or six people that wake up in this like elaborate 
uh, cube that you go room to room and there's bo uh, booby traps set up, and so they have to like, figure booby. out. Booby. <laughs> I burped on that. Uh, they have to like <laughs> throw boots or like figure out a way to survive. Uh, and it was pretty good, pretty surprising. It's free on YouTube. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's very much, you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, Saw just ripped off. Cute. Um, and also, a shocking amount of math involved. <laughs> oh. A devastating amount of math. You know, of that, that being, being like, like, prime numbers. What's the root of two? And being like, <gasps> oh my god, what? Uh, yes. Being like, <laughs> factors. Of course, that's a factor of this number. And you're like, I thought this was a horror movie. <laughs> but no. The true horror is how much math uh, that they had to do to survive. And I would have died if I <laughs> Um, so I watch Cube and I'm going to watch the finale of WandaVision tonight. Uh, and that's, I think, the big stuff. Oh, and I'm rewatching Search Party with my roommates and loving every minute of it. Can't get enough Search Party. Bless. Uh, that's about it for me, for moi. Tierney? Uh, I finished the Thursday Murder Club uh, and it's fantastic. I would recommend it to anyone, mm. uh, especially the audiobook which Leslie Manville narrates. Um, oh, and at the her. end of it, there is an <clears throat> interview which I didn't know about. I was like, oh, I still have like another half hour left in this book, and then it just ended. And it's an interview with the author Richard Osman, and Marion Keys interviews him, and I love her. She's like one of my favorite authors, and I was like, ah, oh, what is this? <laughs> uh, and then I watched This Way Up, which is a uh, BBC comedy uh, that I'd seen before, but they just finished wrapping the season two. And so I was like, oh, watch season one again. Uh, still enjoyed it. And then I watched Nomadland as well. <gasps> Did you watch it, Matt? Yeah, I watched it before last week's episode. Oh. I loved it. I, I thought it was very sad and kind of depressing, but beautiful. And Have you seen it yet, Jim? No. Okay. Watch it. It's on Hulu. Francis McDormand, David Strathairn, Be Still My Heart. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. What did you think, Tierney? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was just hyped a lot, but I was <clears> like, <throat> it was a good movie, but it wasn't, like, revolutionary. Uh, I did tell Colin this. It was weird <laughs> because everywhere she went, I have also been, but also would be there at the same time of year that she was and so it's just like whoa <laughs> this is weird yeah. also have lived in a camper van yeah, yeah <laughs> there are just a lot of things where i was like this is weird <laughs> yeah so i've been like evangelizing that movie since the minute i watched it i loved that movie and uh, so Matt watched it, and we talked a little bit about it. And Tierney texted me, and she was like, I watched Nomadland. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, let's talk about it. And she was like, well, it was kind of weird for me to watch for obvious reasons. So I'm going to sit with it for a bit. And I was like, yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> that seems like a fair reaction for you to have. Like, it wasn't, so. a, bad, it wasn't a bad movie by any means, but it was just, uh, I don't know. I don't I mean, know it's, what I it's think a, of it. It's a very actually. small movie. Um, I like that it was like real people, but then yeah. I was kind of like, I don't know. I just was like, I don't know what to walk away from this with. <laughs> yeah. Jim, you should watch that movie. I will. Definitely. Um, 
but it also did just make me really sad. It's a bummer kind of movie. Yeah. But also, like, it's kind of uplifting. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, like, not super bummer, but also, I don't know. It's I, like yeah. Minari. Minari and Nomadland are, like, the big two oh. this year. And, like, both are, like, oh, the God, that really broke my heart. But also, like, it's kind of beautiful, I guess. <laughs> Perseverance <laughs> is kind of beautiful. Um, so I've been, are you done? Sorry, T, if you had yeah, other no, things to watch. It. Okay. Um, I've been trying to watch like as many movies that might get nominated for an Oscar now. Um, cause you know, like I'm an insane person and had a, had a real bad run there for a while. Watched a lot of like really shitty Netflix movies. That wasn't great. Uh, watched the, the new, uh, Studio Ghibli HBO Max movie, which is pretty awful um yeah so that wasn't great and then i like the night after the globes i watched the united states versus billy holiday because andre day won and she is very good in this movie but that movie is trash so <laughs> that was a bummer wow. too damn <laughs> so i was like very excited that we watched the sting because i thought the sting was excellent and so i was like okay <laughs> like i had so i had like a pretty bad run there for a while but now things are starting to look up and then i also finally finally months after the fact watched the queen's gambit <laughs> so Yay. what did you watch i watched basement chess i finally watched basement chess <laughs> Uh, you guys, you weren't lying. That movie, that show's great. Uh, sorry, sorry for sleeping on it for so yeah. long after you guys both fell in love with it literally like six months ago. It's fun because um, it starts very dark, and it's almost like a reverse show where like Breaking Bad, everything is like very kind of normal and then get very bad. Uh, and Queen's Gambit is like everything's very bad, and then like some nice things happen, and like that's a really satisfying watch for them. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the second half of the season was a lot stronger than the first. Um, but I thought like, it was all very, very well done. Like even the, like the first few episodes, which I didn't like fully connect with, um, in the same way that I did the later episodes, it was still just like the, the craft on display, both in terms of filmmaking and acting and like just all the, like the production design and costuming and all that stuff was like very, very well done. So like even the earlier episodes, which I wasn't totally vibing with, um, were like enjoyable watches. And then when stuff started paying off in like the later episodes, I was like, Oh hell yeah. Like I am very, very in. So that was, that was good. I'm glad that I finally crossed that off the list, even if it was a little too late, but yeah. Oh, well, but you know, you know what they say? I'm finished. 